Good day, nerds. This is Megan coming at you with another Cantina Conversation. Today's interview features Rebecca Yaros. We're talking about Fourth Wing. It comes out on May 2nd. This book was really cool. If you love dragons uh, and magic and all, you know, romanticy, as she coined it, um, you will definitely enjoy this book. And this conversation, it's a long one, but we I just really appreciated um, Rebecca's authenticity and her energy. And she was just really easy to talk to, whether it was about how her family's history, her personal history inspired um, Violet's story, or um, just her writing experience in general, because she um, has a lot of published books under her belt. But either way, I'll let you guys get to it. Here is Rebecca Yaros. All right. So today we've got Rebecca Yaros. We're talking about Fourth Wing. It's coming out on May 2nd. Rebecca, thank you so much for joining us today. Um, Fourth Wing. It was what a ride, pun intended. Um, it was fantastic. I really enjoyed just everything. We'll definitely get into it, but I just really enjoyed everything that you had to offer in uh, Violet's story. So um, thanks for for sitting down to chat today. Well, thank you for having me. I appreciate it. And it's quiet in my house. You will never get it as quiet again. There's no one here. Okay. I was going to say, don't jinx it. Do you have any pets running around? I do. And as soon as I said that, I was like, watch my cat come in and be a jerk face right now. Or my dog start running laps upstairs. Yeah, (laughs) He's like, that's my cue. (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely. Um, So before we get started, can you give like a, you know, a little summary synopsis of um, fourth wing so that readers and listeners can follow along with the conversation? Absolutely. And I suck at this. Let's just be clear with that. (laughs) So fourth wing is about a 20 year old woman. It's high fantasy. About a 20 year old woman who's been taught her entire life she's going to enter the scribe quadrant of this war college where there are four different majors um she was raised trained as a scribe and raised as a scribe her father was a scribe um and she has a chronic illness where her body is frail and breaks easily and her joints um and her joints give out she is basically the fantasy edition of, of ellers danlos and so her mother says no, you will not be a scribe because she's commanding general soren gills are all dragon riders and she throws her into the dragon riders quadrant where a third of that class isn't going to survive to see graduation and their motto is graduate or die. So if you don't get chosen by a dragon, you know, eh, there's less dragons than there are cadets willing to bond. So the cadets are also out to not necessarily kill each other, but they, but they do. They don't want any weakness within the wings. So they're after the weaker cadets to increase their lightning threshing, which is when the dragons bond. And she is tossed in there as the daughter of the commanding general there was a rebellion six years ago, and she's in there with the kids. Her mother hunted down for execution. So she has a target on her back and the biggest target her own wing leader, whose name is Zayden Ryerson, and his father was the leader of the rebellion. So you've got some automatic tension there and shenanigans ensue. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that, that's putting it lightly, definitely. So before we kind of like dive deeper into all that um can you go into your background and because you got tons of books under published books under your belt um like we were saying earlier you've got about 10 years of of works uh, of published works anyway so kind of go into your background a little bit and maybe like what led you to bring Violet's story to life sure um fantasy is my first love it always has been I was raised on Mercedes Lackey and Anne McCaffrey um, and Larry Dixon and all of those, those fantasy writer, uh, writers. And so my first book was actually fantasy and it died on submission, which is like mm-hmm. kind of like where um, you have an agent and they submit and the publishers are like, 
we're not going to buy it, but we're not going to reject you. We're going to like, let you hang out and see what everyone else is going to do. And it kind of died that death. And Mm. while that happened, I wrote my first romance novel, uh, which is called Full Measures. And while my husband was getting ready for his, uh, I have to like count them. I think that was his fourth deployment to a combat zone. He's going to Afghanistan and it got picked up and published. And suddenly I was on a romance track. I love romance. We're just going to go ahead and say that. Like I am, I'm a huge romance genre fan. And so I spent the next 10 years writing romance. And then a girlfriend of mine called me up and said, um, Hey, did you have, you know, your publisher is going to do this line of new adult fantasy. And I, that's what I've been writing was new adult. And what do you think about them? And so I talked to her about it and, uh, and she did sign with them. And then I thought, yeah, that would be fun. <laughs> and so I called my agent and said, I want to go do this. And my publisher was like, wait, you what? Cause all they've known me is, is for, is for romance. I'm like, yeah, I want to do this. And so I hopped on a call with Liz Peltier, who is uh, the head of Red Tower and Entangled. And she's been my editor in the past. And I gave her like five different pitches and she was like the dragons. <laughs> and I was like, oh yeah. Okay. Cause you know, in publishing, it'd be really flexible. You got to have more than one story ready to pitch. And so I was like dragons. All right. Okay. And we kind of finagled it. We finagled the pitch so that it fit into that high concept. And she said, you know, lean into your military background. And I had them in an army unit. She's like, let's do it at a war college. I said, yeah, totally cool. Let's instead of an army unit. Yeah. War colleges be awesome. And I said, I really feel strongly that I would like this girl to have, um, to have Ellers Danlos. Mm. And my publisher was like, okay. Cause we're tiptoeing into areas where own voices are really important. And she didn't know I have it. So it's like, I, I have Ellers Danlos. My sons okay. all have Ellers Danlos. Um, so can you elaborate on like what that is? Yeah, absolutely. It's a connective tissue disorders. Well, it's a group of like 13 different connective tissue disorders. Basically our bodies we don't make collagen correctly. We have a default mm. in our collagen. So um, our joints pop out. We subluxate our joints. We're hypermobile. So we can do things like touch our thumbs to our wrists. Um, my son can stick his tongue up into his nose. It's the grossest thing ever. And he will show you <laughs> without you asking. Um, <laughs> things like uh, their bones break easily because, you know, collagen is in every, every part of our body. So like one of my kids was walking up the stairs, tripped, his ankle stayed behind, mm. snapped. Um, one of my kids has a titanium bar in his chest to move his sternum because it was compressing his heart. His sternum grew inward. All of my kids have scoliosis. Like we just, uh, we're a fun back of party trick. So it's like highly genetic and like, yeah. oh, that's unfortunate. Yeah. It's like 50% chance. You have 50% chance of passing it on. Okay. And I gave it to all four of my biological children. Oh, so my bad, but they haven't let it, I mean, they've let it stop them from certain things. Like we're not supposed to do things like play soccer or um, we're really concussion prone, things like that. So they all chose to keep playing hockey because it's yeah. all. <laughs> I was going to say like, so naturally just going for like the highest contact mm-hmm. almost besides football. I don't know. <laughs> it is, but the highest concussion rates are in soccer. And okay. So, and that makes sense. Play- there's like no helmets, right? So there's no helmets. And like one of our kids was playing goalie and dislocated his thumb, caught a ball, dislocated his thumb, caught a ball, broke his wrist, caught like it was that kind of stuff. So in hockey, they're super padded. We've seen mm. less injuries. Like one of my kids broke an arm just because, you know, on, on ice contact, but we've seen less injuries in hockey than, than other sports. But we just gotten the diagnosis. Um, I was 38 when we got the diagnosis and I just knew something was off. We'd gotten certain scans back on our kids. And I'm like, we are either the unluckiest family to have walked the earth or something is wrong. And we went through the diagnosis 
you know, it takes a really long time to get these diagnoses. And they came back and said, yeah, it is Ehlers-Danlos. And I had picked that out and called one of my friends as a cardiologist and was like, I think we have Ehlers-Danlos. And he's like, all right, what's your reasoning? And I'm like, this, 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 this. And he's like, that's what you have. And our lives were a little upended. I started having, I had POTS flares at the same time, like where we stand up and our heart rate just climbs and climbs and climbs. It doesn't go down and we pass out. Super, super fun at parties, like super, super fun. Um, (laughs) But it had debilitated me during the worst POTS flare for about a year where I couldn't drive and I could barely get off the couch and I didn't traditionally publish for a year because I couldn't, I couldn't sit down. I didn't have the right medications or the right accommodations. And so writing Violet, it was really important to me because I needed to see a heroine like me, like in fantasy, because we get all these badass heroines and I'm all for Mm. badass heroines, but I wanted to see someone who could be badass according to her own measurements. Right. Yeah. Who'd use their wits, you know? Yeah, she definitely does. I, I, I love that about her because she, um, yeah, like she has to be resourceful and use, use the advantage that she does have, which is like the life of just studying history of that world. And also she's also very like, she has a very strong will because she's like, she doesn't want any, you know, for lack of better words, like handicaps, like any like, you know, modifications. She she refuses any of that sort of treatment because she it's just always only gonna make her stand out more. And she does not, you know, want to stand out in that negative light anymore than she already is. So I yeah, I love that. It just adds that layer and it adds that like extra risk. And she, you know, and she just like sticks that she accepts her fate. Unfor- you know, she's like she like, you know, everyone's trying to like help her get out of her position, like get out of her situation. She's like, what? Like, there's no use. She's like, I just have to do my best and I have to use what I have. And, um, oh, and by the way, there's, you know, this guy's like, want going to want to kill me. Like, he like hates me. <laughs> right. <laughs> like, it is. And it's a really fine line between, um, giving her the accommodation she needs to be successful that would be like acceptable in that society and understanding what makes her a bigger target or what makes her weak because this is a very this is not a friendly society this is a society where weakness is absolutely hunted down and it's it made me very nervous honestly to write a character with chronic illness even though it's you know i i have it just because it is such an unfriendly society for it do you know what i mean like it's not like not in our society where these accommodations are should be given and should be absolutely expected no it's just like well yeah they just see it as like okay well you're kind of a waste of space like you don't we've got more bigger fish to fry you're just like your distraction you're gonna waste our time you're you know just you don't belong here like almost as like you know they don't see the person they don't like see the humanity they just see it as like but you know a, a place a pawn in the lineup and you know, yep. just like, nope, just picking it off. Okay. We, you're the weakest link, you know? Yep. And you see that a lot with um, Imogen's character, who is a second year. She's the one who breaks her arm to begin with. She doesn't really get to know them until after threshing. She's like, you aren't people until after threshing because they die so repeatedly in that first year, whether it's on this obstacle course called the gauntlet or during presentation when they have to walk past all the dragons or threshing, they all become so desensitized to death that they're like, I, I don't want to know you until, until I have a purpose to. Yeah. 
Yeah, until I'm sure that you're going to be around. Mm-hmm. Until until there's like, yeah, until like, they don't want to put the effort in because they don't even like, what's the point? Yeah. That, and it, you know. it, it hurts. It hurts to watch people, you know, die. And that's, as I'm writing the second book, it's fun because she's in the second book. So it's, um, it's fun to see the differences between where you are your first year and just trying to survive and what it looks like in, in the next. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Um, so kind of like hopping on your, uh, comment earlier about kind of switching back, like fantasy, you start a fantasy, love romance, winter romance, back to fantasy. So I want to explore that. Like what, you know, what specifically kind of like draws you to both genres? What made you decide to switch gears or, or what brought you back to fantasy for, for this latest piece? Fantasy scared the crap out of me. <laughs> I'm not, it scares the crap out of me. And, uh, and we were just talking about this when I wrote my first book. I think, uh, like I wrote my first book, A Page a Night. I'm going to tell that story a lot because I was raising kids during deployments. My husband was gone, you know, and, uh, and I was running a business. So I'd write a page a night. And at the end of this, you have this book, right? And it becomes your book baby. And you're so certain that everyone's going to think your book baby is the prettiest book baby. So when you get <laughs> your first rejection from an agent, like I can tell you exactly where I was. Um, when I, that first rejection came in and I was dumbfounded, I was like, Wait, what do you mean? It's not for you. It's my book baby. <laughs> Beautiful. You know what I mean? And, and I realized like, now I know exactly what's wrong with it. I'm like, Oh, that's trite. Oh, did you really? Oh, that's what you went with. Um, <laughs> so I've always read fantasy, but I've always loved romance to me. Any book I read, and this doesn't go for every reader. Of course, it's all personal preference. I have to have a strong romance plot subplot at least plot preferable i've been reading jude Devereux since i was like 11 in the backseat of the car and my parents just never censored what i read go mom and dad (laughs) really i I love it like i told them that the other day i was like because you never censored me i read i read everything so i love romance and i've been married to my husband for i don't know over 20 years like a really long time we've been together since we were 19 and so when i read romance or write romance i get to fall in love all over again and I'm only going to ever love this one man. Like I really like him. He's hot. We love the kids <laughs> together. Um, he's, he is my dream man. So romance allows me to experience those emotions and fall in love over and over again. Yeah. And fantasy allows me to add dragons. <laughs> in contemporary romance, you get stuck in this plot where it's, you know, boy gets girl, boy loses girl, boy gets girl back. So I really wanted those external forces back in there to yeah. be able to, and I love internal conflict. Um, I always make sure my characters have internal conflict, the fantasy, like there's dragons, there's, you know, people who write fae, people who write wizards, people who write, you know, or walk into paranormal. You can add in that beautiful, wonderful external conflict. And I knew that I always wanted to get back to fantasy, but it just scared the crap out of me. Mm. You get it. You get pulled into this thing as an author with your branding. What's your brand? You get told, like, as soon as someone hears your name, if, if you, like, I mean, come on, not everyone knows anyone's name, but if someone knows your name, they should know what to expect when they open a book. Sure, yeah. And I was terrified. And I knew that if I wanted to publish a fantasy, I was going to have to write a full fantasy. It might not get picked up. It might not get supported. It might become what I call a desk drawer book, which is a book I wrote and now lives in the desk yeah. drawer. Waiting. <laughs> waiting for a revision time or waiting for the market to shift in this opportunity, because I've worked so close with Liz before um, Peltier, I knew that this was, this is it. And then if I wanted to write a fantasy, 
this was it. And so I brought her the pitch and again, we just kind of tweaked it and I wrote her the synopsis and the first 10 pages. And I thought, I thought it would be like the sixth book in the line. It would be like right in the middle where they'd already warmed up to some people and there wouldn't be a lot of pressure. And then I was in the hospital with my kid who's getting the titanium varnish test. And she's like, no, we want you to launch the line. I need the rest of the pages. And I'm like, I'm in the hospital. Okay. <laughs> and she's like, when, when can, when can you write it? And I'm like, I, I have to get home from, from the hospital. And then, yeah. and then I got home and I wrote the first 50 pages and it just, it, it took on a life of its, of its own. That's amazing. It just went. So it's like, um, it's kind of like coming home because legit fantasy is where I read when I have time that that's, I read and them. it's it's better when you were able because I feel like yeah, the the romance story in there just did happen. Um, even though it's like you know the uh, it's not a spoiler, right? To say it's enemies to lovers. No. Um, a- yeah, even though that is an enemies to lovers trope, it what like it it felt like natural. It happened like organically, where it's it, that attraction was there and that the proximity was there, like the mm-hmm. stakes were there, like. Yeah, the the like everything, every whatever is going on, the bigger picture is bigger than what's going on between them. But like they've, you know, you set it up where they've been connected since before they like they were born, essentially almost, right? Like they they have history before they even knew they had history, and it just makes it even like that much more, uh, you know, like perfect. And and just even just with like some of the. You know, once once it builds, like it builds up, and then once I get going, it, it gets going. It really gets going. And I, it's funny that you say like you love romance because, like, I think it's just it's definitely like a guilty pleasure of mine. And I think, and almost any reader um, is lying if they they say that they they're not a fan of that. Like, you know, and not even if it's just not like steamy details. Like everyone loves like the will they won't they or Mm -hmm. that build up that slow burn all that like kind of just you know whether it's a slow burn or not I've I always find myself like come on like get to it like go ahead and kiss her go ahead and like like you know what's gonna happen let's just like just just do it already and then um it it is a guilty pleasure for sure it's like you know it's like okay here we go like all right Mm -hmm. (laughs) I just it gets me excited and yeah it's like adding it's like oh you know especially when it's also a distraction to them and it makes them so much more like relatable as people, as characters that it's like, yeah, like, well, I'm, I'm training. If I don't train, then I'm, my chances of dying are going to increase, but Oh, look at those muscles over there. Like it's really, it's, it's just adds to that, the realistic, um, you know, the scenarios and things like that. They're 20. Like they're essentially in college. Now they're in a college where they're in the elite section of the college because dragon riders are elite and yada, yada. But like when push comes to shove, like I love new adult because they're 20 years old and hormones are raging and you get to make, you don't get to make as foolish a mistakes that you can in YA and get away with it. Right. But think about when you're 20, like you make giant mistakes, you make giant decisions that have huge lasting consequences. And I think that like one of my favorite parts is when they're on the mat and I think uh, two of the guys are off sparring and her friend's like, are we ogling? Are we ogling? And they're like, oh yeah, we're objectifying. Like, are we objective? Oh, we are. Yes, we are. And everyone has turned to stare. And I think it's just a natural human reaction. I think the tension's where it's at for me. It's always that it's the will they, won't they? And it's the when, like, when are you going to break? Because to me, the best moment is that final moment when they're like, F it and we go. But I think you have to build 
to me, the payoff is building that tension so that when it breaks, it is a relief to the reader. And it is like, it's like all horses go. We are like, you know, all systems, let's rock. Because if you bring it on too early to me, I feel like they haven't earned it. Mm. Like I want them to earn it. And I don't, I'm not a big fan of like insta love. I'm not saying it's not valid and people can't love it. You love what you love. But me, there's got to be something, there's be something there and something built so that when you get to that payoff, it is, it's exactly that's payoff. Yeah. And it, there is like an insta love. It does like, sometimes it works, but yeah, it's just like, it, it, it's a little, it's almost like, you know, the author has to work a little bit harder to make it believable to make it work. Cause I don't, you know, I've, I've, I've never believed in love at first sight, at least not until like I gave birth to my children and I'm like, okay, no, well, that's, that's what that, that's the closest thing. Cause otherwise I'm just like, like, no, like I don't, like, yeah, I lust at first sight, maybe. Like, yeah. you see someone and you're yep. like, well, shit, they're, they're, holy shit, you know? <laughs> like, But other than that, you know, it's so, yeah, like, to read it in literature or um, no matter what the genre, it's kind of like, eh, okay, like, we'll we'll go with it. And But, yeah, with, like, I agree with you where you kind of have to, that build up as, like, as frustrating as it could be because you're just kind of like waiting for you're like come on like but mm-hmm. I, I i definitely agree like they have to has to be believable they have to earn it they have to like not ju- it can't just be so convenient that it just it's that easy right and i think especially like enemies to lovers is i would have said it was my weakest trope until i i, I started writing this one um because you know i think in contemporary settings it's mostly like grumpy to lovers, do you know what I mean? Like, there's not like a lot of reasons to be actual enemies. And when you have a fantasy world, it's like, oh no, dude, like she she killed her mom, killed your dad, and your dad killed her brother, and it's not things are things are very bad. So I had I had a ton of fun with it. Let's put it yeah. that way. I had a ton of fun with it. Yeah, and also like kind of adding the love triangle almost like where uh, her childhood best friend, like she's you know got little butterflies in her stomach for him, but then it's. I that's another part that makes it believable where like she as she continues and she's like encountering different scenarios like she like she sees the stark contrast of how both her best friend and her like partner whatever Zayden versus Dane Dane childhood best friend Zayden the enemy how like difference in between how they they approach that with her like Mm because Dane is like, no, like, I'm just trying to protect you. Like, I can get you out of this or what. You don't have to do this if you don't want to. And he's like, Zayden's like, no, like, okay, the, no. See, this was your first mistake. This is what you need to do here. No, what are you going to do next time? Like, this, you know, that's where I see you coming. Like, you, I fooled you that, you know, he's, he's like helping her or he's like trying to, he's encouraging her. And that's like ultimately where she, you know, that's, that's what she wants. She finds herself wanting not only to like prove it to herself, but like, you know, prove it to her mom, prove it to mm-hmm. um everyone who's like doubting her, everyone who's out to kill her. She's like at, you know, all, all there's like a bunch of stakes and, and sh- her, she finds that her motivations like align with the person who maybe wants to see her fail the most, almost like at least right. on the surface, but like deep down readers learn that well, you know, there's a reason why he's, he's trying to teach her and he's trying to help her improve. Right. And I think, um, I do love Dane. It's so funny to me. Cause like, uh, when you go through edits and the process of things that happen with characters, 
Dane to me is the love you think you want at that age and what you think you've needed. And Dane is so used to having to protect her because they've grown up together and he's a year ahead of her in the quadrant. So they've been apart for a year. So he's become desensitized to a lot of things because of being in the quadrant for a year. And she's had a year to kind of fantasize what she thinks that relationship will still be. And I think once you get there and you realize, Oh, I'm not this person anymore. You've evolved into this person. I don't necessarily need you to protect me anymore. And, and, And her realizing you're not, you're not necessarily what I, what I want, you know, instead of like the, who am I going to choose? There's not, there's very much like a, the love we think we need at that age. And then as you yeah. grow, the love you realize that it was what you want and what is supportive and what <laughs> the person who's the most supportive is also the person who's like, die, don't die, whatever. Yeah. Um, <laughs> you know, so I do, I do love Dane. Dane's just so rigid and Dane doesn't have it within him to break rules. And he is so by the book and she's learning where this flexible area is which is where Satan just lives. The man. Yeah. The moral grayness of, you know, paint. Like he's gray. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. And that's, but that's what she needs, right? She can't, she needs to be flexible because she, uh, business is not as usual for her just from like how she was born, the condition that she's living with. It's like, she, if she played, uh, you know, by the book and didn't think outside of the box, like she would be done. Like that's what she needs to do. And Dane was trying to like, you know, tunnel vision, black and white, like, no. And she's like, I, I, I have no chance if I, if I think that way. Dane is so focused that she cannot survive the quadrant that he's unwilling to see ways that she could ways for her to succeed in the quadrant. His, his priority is get her out. And she's like, there's no way out. My mother's gonna throw me back in here. There's, mm. there is no way out. Um, and I think that's kind of one thing is as she kind of accepts the fact, like, no, I'm, I'm a writer. Like I thought just my brother and my sister were writers, and my mother, but I am too. And it's finding that, that strength to be who you know you are instead of whatever one has, has cast you as, especially, you know, when you do have chronic illness and they look at you as you're the weaker one or you're the one who has to be babied or, or things like that. And it's her being like, no, I, I can't do this. And unfortunately Dane just doesn't see, Dane doesn't see past that. Yeah. Yeah. Cause he, you know, and and he's, you know, you could kind of understand where he's coming from too, just cause he's known her since they were like, you know, elementary age. And he, he feels like he knows what's best for her. And also cause he's got a year ahead of her. So he knows how cutthroat and how dangerous it is. And so that's why he's like, oh, absolutely not. Like, you know, and, and he just is trying, like, I understand he's trying to protect her, but at the end of the day, it's like, like, listen to her, dude, like, right. like, listen to her. And she, you know, she's been living in her body, like her whole life. And, and she'll, um, although I don't know if Violet's the type of person to accept when she's met her, like when she's met her limit, it do- it seems like she's just always trying to raise that bar. She's trying to raise the bar and there's a struggle with her about where the limit is. And I think if it wasn't set at a school where they'll kill you when you reach the limit, there's plenty of times where she'd be like, you know what? I can't do this today. And I struggled with that. Um, wanting to make sure that we weren't, I wasn't like stumbling into like ableist territory where it's like, oh no, she has to get up and go. Like she can't have this mercy. Um, she absolutely is merciful with herself in certain regards. And when she allows herself to be mended or when she takes a day, but in that environment where they're going to kill the weakest link, 
Yeah. She feels like she has to find a way. She has to keep pushing. And I love that she uses her brain mostly to make up that, to make up that difference. So, and she, of course she, of course she's got to train. You have to learn how to spar. You have to learn how to, how to do all these things. But when push comes to shove and she can't do things, um, even when she fights the accommodation, she has to realize this is, this is what I need to make this happen. And this is, this is what we'll do. So I like that she has that given her, but yeah, recognizing her limits is not something she's, it's not something she's good at. Yeah. And, and, you know, understandably just because she, just from the circumstances, like if she, if she, I think maybe also partially cause she's afraid that if she does identify a limit for herself, she's gonna, she's afraid that she's holding herself back and that's going to hurt her in the long run. Like she, mm-hmm. and she, like, and she's scared the second she says, I can't do this. It's a target on her back. So mm-hmm. the second she has to go back and be mended and they know they've hurt her, they know how to hurt her again. Um, yeah. The gauntlet is one scene where she's actually like, where she's too small to accomplish something. Like she's like, I, I, I cannot do this. And as Dane's like, let's go, let's go, let's get out. And Zayden's like, figure it out. Yeah. The right way isn't the only <laughs> way. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, and that's, that's one of his things is like the right way isn't the only way. And so I like that she has the ability to kind of look and see, I can do this. I can do this. But she just keeps raising that bar for herself until, you know, at some point it's a series. So at some point you have to learn what that limit is. I know. I'm I'm like so excited about the series. And now I'm like, you know, of course, we'll we'll get into that. But that um, once you get to the end, I'm just like, oh, of course. Of course she did that to us. (laughs) I mean, I think everyone knows out there that it's got a cliffhanger because I think there's enough reviews that say it. So um, I don't feel bad saying it. I've never written one before. And until this book, I was like, no cliffhangers. No, we don't do that. <laughs> like everyone I would do, would do duologies or duets. And I'm like, no, if we told one story, we do it. Um, and this one, I was like, nah, dude, we had to, we had to cliffhanger this, uh, which is funny because writing the second book is like, I have to write myself out of that corner. I just put myself. Yeah. In. Right. It's like, yep, there you go. There you go. You set the expectations a little bit higher with each one. Um, but that's how you challenge yourself, right? You got to challenge yourself, try new things and oh, yeah. dig yourself out. <laughs> oh yeah. No, this second book is like, like, I'm looking at the plot board in my office right now. My husband had to come down and hang a, a four foot by six foot whiteboard because when I started writing the second book, I was like, huh, it's gone awry. And yeah. <laughs> so I go back and like and move all these scenes. Um, and I guess what people who haven't read it yet, not spoiling. Uh, but you have to write yourself out of where you leave yourself, right? Um, think of any you have to think of any major series like Harry Potter, you gotta get back to the train station, you gotta get, you know, back to Hogwarts, you look at um the Hunger Games, you're not just thrown back into the arena, you have, you know, the tour and the things that happen in the real world. Mm-hmm. And so writing the second one's been like, what do you mean I can't start at parapet? Oh, she's done parapet. Oh. Right. <laughs> so it's like it's a logical progression. And the second year is like um one of my favorite parts is when they're standing there after they've gone through parapet, which anyone who hasn't read it is this giant stone bridge that has no railing, of course, and it's very thin, and you have to cross it because if you can't have balance good enough to cross this bridge across a ravine, you can't walk the back of a dragon and these kids fall off and die, like they do, and they're all volunteers, but um kids fall off and die before they get across and once they get across they're sitting there and as these dragons come um dane's like well i guess we're going to call the masons again because 
they've dug their claws into the stonework. And the first years are in there, like quaking in their boots. There are these dragons that are breathing fire. And the second years are like, it's Tuesday. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Like that growth that happens between your first and second year between like, (sighs) I'm like, yeah, this is, you know, look, they're running the day. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so kind of like, so happen off of the, um, the whole war college idea, what kind of like, or how you were thinking about doing military, uh, branch style versus, you know, the, but based on your audience and suggestions that you got, um, what, what kind of research was involved and, you know, was there anything that like surprised you the most to find out when you were researching? So, um, one thing about my background, which is what my publisher like really leaned into heavily, which I had to laugh at, is I'm a military brat. Most both my parents are retired officers. My husband has 22 years of active duty service, as um, 10 of which is an Apache pilot. And the joke was like, as like this book sold on like 50 pages, foreign rights everywhere, and I'm like, uh... my publisher calls me a pessimist. We'll just go with that. So and I'm like. <laughs> I'm like, are you guys really buying off of 50 pages? That's I've never written a fantasy. And it's kind of like you're betting a marathon runner on the first hundred yards. And I just don't know. Um, but she was like, yeah, she's married to her own dragon writer. I'm like, it's an Apache. So, I mean, I mean, breathes fire kind of, but like, yeah. Right. <laughs> so, um, and my parents, of course, were, you know, did 20 years and my grandfather did like 30. He was the deputy commanding general of NORAD. And um, my other grandfather was in as well. So it's oh, all wow. I know. So yeah. technology is like generations and generations. And, it is. Yeah. It is absolute just generation upon generation. Um, and so a lot of the terminology was really easy because I based it off of our military terminology except for like wings and things like that. Like I divided yeah. the wings and sections and the squads. It's yeah. very much set up like a military battalion with companies and platoons. I just named them something else. So yeah. it was very familiar to me. There's not, I think the biggest I will tell you the biggest funny thing, which I'm sure my publisher is like, that. so um, <laughs> I can edit out whatever you need me to. Don't, don't worry. We were, so I was looking and I was like, what's a group of dragons called? What's a group? Like, what do you call them? And I wanted, like I said, fantasy scares the crap out of me because you have such dedicated, you have a dedicated readership and I'm one of them. Right. So I know, like, I know how picky we are. And you got to have your world buildings got to be on point and you can't like, you can't break the rules of your world. And it's just a very set, right? And, and this, and the bar is raised and I'm not saying that romance is easier. It's not. There's a different bar for your world building, for your political intrigue, for what's going yeah, on. Yeah. Besides your romance subplot. Scary. So scary. So um, <laughs> I Googled what's a group of dragons called thinking maybe like, <laughs> In our fantasy fandom, we will come to a consensus so that I can appease, right? And the first thing I see is thunder. It's called a thunder of dragons. I'm like, how cool is that? A thunder of dragons. No, so it turns out Christopher Paolini, who is Aragon, invented the term. And not only did he invent the term, he went on Twitter and he's like, I invented this term and it is mine. And I was like, oh, we are oh, not no, thunder totally thunder. trademarked that. <laughs> right. So it's kind of like fantasy exists in this area. Like, like a, a griffins are, are in drift. Like, that's just what it is. Like in, in Herald or Times, and, and it is acknowledged as a drift and no one owns that. But going back and being like, like who decided it was a coven of witches or a coven of vampires? Yeah. Like, yeah. Who decided that? And at what point did we adapt 
this terminology to be universal and then who actually owns it. So of course we read, I went, I was like, mm, bleep, 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 sorry about that. Um, and we had to change it, <laughs> but that was the research that caught me up. And my publisher was like, never research that. I was like, okay. Um, so I feel like, almost, you know, as the writer is, uh, you know, you can almost make up whatever word you want, as long as like you're consistent with your world. Right. But as I guess it can be confusing. I don't know. I get, you know, I, <laughs> as, long as, you're, as long as you're consistent, you can name it whatever you want. It's one reason I love fantasy. And I saw this, like someone was talking about world building. I was, I was on a panel for Comic-Con in Seattle, which is also like mind blowing. Cause I'm a huge Comic-Con geek. Like my son's a huge cosplayer. Like I'm like, Comic-Con. And then to be on a panel, yes. it's like, Hey, yeah. Um, <laughs> and someone was like, world building is really important. Like if you have mountains here, you better have a desert over here. And I'm like, but what if in my world, other patterns are different? <laughs> because like it's fantasy so i feel like limiting ourselves to like earthly constraints is kind of narrow-minded in some ways because it's fantasy it can be whatever can be whatever you want yeah Does that make sense? yeah like, you could have silver sure maybe it's an ore or maybe it comes from something else it's fantasy as long as you're consistent um and naming things the bigger the book got as i was in edits like i watched it I watched it. It was the most surreal experience I've ever seen because like the lay down, which is like what, how many books get printed and put into bookstores. I kept going up and up and up. And I'm over here like, like are you? And at this point, because we wanted to do the sprayed edges. Um, have you seen the sprayed edges? Yes, I have. They're so badass. So cool. Yes. They, they, they kill me. But we had to, we had to speed up the second part of our editing process, not the first. And so I went to Texas and I moved in with my editor for three weeks and she's the head of the company. And so I'm watching her have all these meetings and the lay down just keeps increasing. And I'm over here editing like, are you sure? Are you betting the house? Are you but as that happens, you get more and more people in the book. So you get more and more editors in the book and more people reading the book and saying, Hey, is this term as catchy as it could be? Is this, do we have um, things you don't think about? Like, do we have a hashtag available on this? Like things that you would never like, I'm like, what? Yeah. Yeah. So you do get to name it whatever you want, but you also have to one make sure no one use 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 that word. <laughs> one day that will bite me. Someone's gonna. Did you really? I'm like, yes, yes, I did. Um, <laughs> and you have to make sure that you can you can own that intellectual property. It's the yeah. It's a whole it's a whole new world. I feel like I've seen Aladdin writing this whole book. <laughs> Legit. Oh gosh, that's. Yeah, that's something I I guess like that makes total sense though that that's so funny that you were <laughs> cuz usually when I ask authors they're like, "Oh, you know, I found this little like piece of history that I like really surprised me and here you are." I was like, "I didn't know if I could I was allowed to use this word and then I didn't know what word I could use." And, like, but right. yeah, it's like even something as simple as that it totally could stump cuz it's like, you know, the book rests on a world of like the dragons, like the world of dragons. It's like, if you don't have the dragons, it's like kind of just yeah. like another, uh, you know, war novel almost. And right. And I love the dragons cause they're people. And mm. I love that the dragons. Um, they're their own characters, but they only speak yeah. to their own writers. They're very pretentious <laughs> and they're kind of like giant assholes. Yeah. And, well, cause they can be, they're like, you know, <laughs> yeah. Like, I mean, the it's first time so Violet falls off, you know, someone's back, you know, the dragon's like, you are embarrassing me. Yeah. And where you he's know, like, like it, it's so funny because you, you know, first person and you hear it through Violet's point of view where she's mm-hmm. like, I think he says something akin to for fuck's sake. 
Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> and it's like mm-hmm. things like that, where it's like, I think I was where like my favorite parts were just like the interactions between um, the dragons and their writers, just uh, because it's it's a funny dynamic and the humans know like, yeah, I don't know why, like Violet was explaining. It's like, I don't know why, like they agreed this on this mutual relationship, but I, I that, you know, or, or she does know why, but she's like, I guess you know, good for us. Like this is beneficial right. for us because we get to survive. And, yeah. Right. In the Empyrean, which is the, um, you know, the, the dragon society, like the dragon council, um, which is also the name of the series. I'm so glad we nailed that down. Cause trust me, like we need a series names. I'm like, uh. yeah. Um, <laughs> the pressure on this one was like, I love advice. I'm sorry. Hold on. Um, <laughs> the Empyrean doesn't deign to tell humans why they make their decisions. And the first rule of dragon kind is protect dragon kind. So they love, like, they, I would say they love their writers. They have a very symbiotic relationship with their writers, but also eh, humans. Yeah. Like they find themselves to be the superior creature and that's, that's all there is to it. I will say the most research I did um, was into medieval weaponry for their tales. Cause I wanted them to have all different nice. tales yeah. and, to, and to have weapons and to basically really visually bring it home. that the, These are instruments of war. Is what right. these what these dragons are, and when I was writing it, I remember writing it thinking like uh, there's a ton of pressure on it, it from the get go, like from the second said you were gonna you were launch the line, and then I remember thinking like she's gonna make me take this out, she's gonna think <laughs> a dragon with a club tail or a scorpion tail or um you know morning star tail or any which is a medieval medieval weapon yeah I'm gonna get it taken out. She was like this is amazing. And I was like, <laughs> My dragon tails, so that I do, I do a lot of research into that and a lot of research into what's appropriate in time. So like yeah. they have clocks, so they have clockwork, but, and they do have bathing chambers. And a lot of people get stuck on fantasy. Like one, it's like, it's a fantasy world. So personally, like if I can make it whatever I want to, I, w- I, I would like a bathing chamber. That's where it's where I'm at with it. Well, it's also, um, yeah, I think people like, like when they think of dragons, they think of like medieval like era. And so it's, yeah, you think of what was, you know, right. consistent with, with that. And it's period. not, we didn't peg down a timeline. We kind of did for some things. They don't have electricity, but they do have magic that powers things. Um, yeah. Like they have pens that you can only power once you have your own signet that can force the ink through. Um, we're still in horse and buggy. We don't have steam engines. We don't have any, any of those things. So we're not quite medieval. We're a little bit like 1600, seven, like 1600s, I would say like right in there, 1700s. And the best thing about it being a fancy world is you, you can create your own things. You can say this has been invented and this hasn't, I don't have to go according to an earthly timeline because we're not on earth. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, but yeah, a lot of a lot of um a lot of research into into the weaponry. That was probably the and like what's it called? Oh, in fight scenes. Romance, you're not writing a lot of fight scenes. So lots of research into fight scenes and sparring and a lot of that. Yeah, I imagine that was really tricky to like get that sequence down to and like the movements and yeah, especially if even in fantasy or in romance, it's like fantasy may be more likely, but yeah, like hand to hand combat is not, is it's not going to be, it's going to be with romance is out of place. So you're not going to expect it. Fantasy 
sure there could be yeah. some hand-to-hand combat but if there's magic magic involved maybe n- not so much but yeah with this i could see how that you definitely had to like but you got you got to make it believable you got to make it real it's like yeah of course there'd be hand-to-hand combat they're like prepared yeah. they're they're training for war they're training they're- for any 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 situation possible they're at a war college and um Yes, I think it's especially like when they when they visit the outposts and you can see like if you were going to have to do an assault on an outpost, how would you do that? Like they, they can't just stand their dragon backs. Um, mm-hmm. You know, how how do you how do you get there? How wh- how do you handle a military unit and things like that? And they're very much like the squads are very much are very much units. And so at least I get to see that a lot from being married to my husband, like how yeah. how that camaraderie works and how those kind of function in those situations. And there are plenty of times in decision-making, especially towards the end of the book, which we won't give away, where I went to my husband and I'm like, would this be an order? Would this be a choice? How would you, you know, how would you handle this if you, if you, if you are 20, yeah. you're 22 years old, 23 years old, and you have all these kids who are younger than you, how are you, you know, how are we, how are we handling this? So I'm really lucky that I have like a, a firsthand military source. Cause yeah. I'm not like, you know, like, I'm not out there doing pushups at 5am, but I can yeah, right. you know, shout down the hall. Like, how does this work? And my husband yeah. will you know, step in and, and explain that's that. cute though i bet that he he loves that though where he's just like he could kind of like lend his expertise to you and he's probably like excited like oh she's just writing a war college book like he's well, like my time to shine so my backlist is majority military romance so majority of it like my flight and glory series like my first series is all helicopter pilots okay. um going through flight school and things like that and a lot of that's based on my husband like there's some books that like are things my husband have said. Um, and he always like sneaks into my books. Like I can't help it. He just does. I wrote one book where I turned around and like, I was like, I wrote you into a book. Like this is actually, like, <laughs> I wrote you in like on accident. Like his name is Jason. And that character's name is Jameson. Um, <laughs> my husband's six, four, and he's got that very dominant personality and that very, you know, self-assured thing. And he always just like wiggles himself in, into those characters but he has a good time. He reads all of my books oh, so either wonderful. at editing stage or wherever I feel comfortable giving it to him. And he read fourth wing and he was just like, Where, where's, where's the next one? I'm like, yeah, right. <laughs> you have to go same, it. same Jason, same. Where's the next one? I'm right. Unfortunately, that man gets me pacing. So like I'm pacing. I'm like, I'm in this situation. Yeah. I have to be mad at this. And he's like, don't tell me anymore. And I'm yeah. like, <laughs> Like, yeah oh yeah because he wants to like he wants to not be spoiled too right so he's right and i'm yeah. over here like but i need to talk this out but um no he's he's phenomenal and i will say like that man quit his military career once mine started like once mine started going oh switched from like apache pilot dad to like minivan stay-at-home dad and it's incredible yeah. to watch like he's the most supportive guy i could ever I could ever possibly possibly ask for but i'm always That's more comfortable awesome. in military settings so when it was just going to be a unit it was what the pitch had been in my and she's like put it to war college and i was like oh yeah yeah yeah, yeah sounds good and i was like can i kill people and she's yeah. like yeah and i was like i want to kill a ton of them i want this to be like this is what happens here i need to desensitize yeah. And she's like, yeah yeah so that's awesome. That's that's awesome that you had a team that was like really encouraging you because you're like, can I do this? Like, is this allowed? Is this too much? And they're like, no, nope, no, nope, love it. Go for you it. Get, so, and there are things you have to like, we have to go back on. So like writing it, I wrote it how I envisioned it and how like, I mean, we talked through the plot 
just kind of make sure it was where we were going and things like that. Because the last thing I want to do, like, I want my editor to know where I'm going because if she gets to a point and she's like, this is, doesn't work. We could have solved that with a conversation before I started. Do you know what I mean? So I wrote the book as it just kind of fell out. I really, really loved writing it because it was just so much, it was so much fun to go to work. Let's put it that way. Like I was like, I get to go play with dragons today. My husband's like, (laughs) and my kids, like, you can't see it. My kids were cleaning out their toy room. That is a toy dragon. Oh my gosh. From their toy room because they knew what I was writing and they were like, Mom. That's adorable. That's so like, funny. Yeah, so we'll put it up there. But like things like uh, when I turned in the first draft, my editor was like, yes. And then, you know, the second, you know, the secondary agent will come in. And then, you know, as it goes up the chain, they're like, well, is it really okay to kill all these kids? I'm like, yeah, they signed up for it. You're right. <laughs> and they're like, but they're all volunteers, right? We're not forcing them. I'm like, okay, we'll go make sure it's clear that they're all volunteers. So like there are points where they like walk you walk you back to make sure that we're not just, you know. It's not yeah, it's not Hunger Games style. It's like, no, like you're vol yeah, like you're no, signing and, up for this. Yeah. And I'm reading so I have this toxic habit where I read reviews until a book comes out, right? And this book has it's it's been given out more. They did a huge arc print run, which I'm very, very, very thankful for, but it means that there's more opinions coming in. Yeah. And um in some ways it's like great. In some ways it's like, oh, okay. Um, so I watch that. Like I watch to see kind of how it's going to be received and if I've done my job well or what I could have done better if I'm in the mood for it. If I'm not, I just run away and hide. Um, <laughs> and I see a lot that it gets like Hunger Games comparison, which one is like super, super flattering. But two, Hunger Games, really, they're killing those kids to maintain control, yeah. right? It is very much like, the government's going to kill your children if you don't if if you don't let us keep control. So they keep yeah keep you online type of thing yeah. But this one it's very much like it's a college and the same thing I get a lot of divergent stuff and I'm like well it's a college and there's four majors and you choose. Mm-hmm. You get to college you, if you pass the entrance exam you get to choose which quadrant you want to go into. So these kids are dying because they're in the military and this is what they want to do. Kind of hopping off of something that you were talking about before with um what you know, where you were struggling with, with a two part question, what, um, what were the most challenging parts to write? And then like, what were the most enjoyable parts to write? Okay. The hardest parts to write from a craft perspective, the battle scenes were the hardest for me to write because I knew it needed to be visual and and, and really bring the reader into what was happening. But because we're on the backs of, of dragons, you know, and you're only in first person, I think like a lot of fantasy is written in third, right? So you get the overall, like, and in this section of the battlefield, and in this section of the battlefield, but all you have is Violet. So all you know is what Violet can see and what Violet is yeah. experiencing on, on the field. You have no idea where Zayden is, no idea where the others are. The ones she sees are the ones that you get to see. So those were t- really, really tough to me. Not like Gauntlet and things were easy, um, but I I do deep POV writing, so I feel like I see, I try to sink into that character and feel what they feel. And so I would just have this like chronic anxiety. Like, did I already have anxiety? So living in Violet's skin, I would just be constantly tense and wondering, you know, what was going to happen. And the other hardest thing was going to my editor and making sure like during developmental edits, most of those occurred toward the end because it's it's an end that you have to smooth out and you have to everything has to logically flow to get us to a point like within their relationship, within what's going on, within what is the school been up to and what's this kingdom up to. And there were certain lines and points that were exceptionally important for me to make, which I can't really say without giving away the entire book. Sure. But, 
but what I'd gone to her and I said, this is important to me like this. And like, and it's important to me that this point is made in this book and not the next. So making sure that there was a point logically to make that and to bring the reader on this journey and to make sure it fit, that nothing was yeah. forced. Do you yeah. know what I mean? That it was all natural because it's hard. Like if you ever have characters fighting, I have to like write out a list of what points they have to make. Yeah. Like what has to be accomplished in this argument and then logically lead them through a dialogue where you would get there. So you're not just like, yeah, but you didn't do the dishes last Tuesday. Yeah, right. <laughs> like, out of, like nowhere. So I think the hardest were the battle scenes um, and, and just making sure the points I wanted to get across. And also I worked really hard and there's a really good chance I failed at this. And I am the first to always be like, if I failed, I failed. I tried really hard to be as inclusive as possible. Mm. Make sure that I had as much representation as I could in different areas of the book. Um, and so making sure that we did that with sensitivity and, and it wasn't just like check the box, make sure that, that, that every character here had a purpose and a story and that they were, they'd adapt to them. Sure. That yeah. was the hardest. The most enjoyable. The most enjoyable. So my favorite, I think you always have scenes, like at least for me, I don't know about other writers. I'm going to speak for all the writerdom. Um, you always have scenes like when I start, like this scene pops out to me and I know this belongs in this book and I, I can't wait to write this scene. And there were a couple of them. And the first one was when she throws the daggers at Zayden's head. And he's like, you missed. And she's like, did I? Yeah. <laughs> Back up and showing that she could not only work with her, um, work with her brain, but also she does have some physical prowess. You know, she passes in that agility test and she can throw a dagger because it's, it's something that's within her power. And when he says, um, you know, you really are a violent little thing, aren't you? Mm -hmm. You know, and I love that he calls her violence and he sees what's in her true nature before she does even that. So I loved writing that. And then, um, cause I don't think that's giving like, I'm like, and then as I give everything away, uh, <laughs> Threshing, threshing was something that lived in my head and how threshing went down, which is when the dragons choose who, you know, who they, who they choose. And the scene where Zayden steps onto the mat, where he has figured out what she's been doing to beat all her opponents. And he takes her to the mat. To me, that was the most fun to write because I love sexual tension. Yeah. <laughs> and it's always like. Like, and there's a moment she's like, am I attracted? I'm not attracted to toxic men. Am I attracted? Ooh, maybe I am. Maybe I am getting attracted to toxic. Ooh, this is not, you know, it's not okay. But that was the most fun for me is in those positions where he's trying to teach her and he's knocking her on her ass constantly. But you also have like, hello, beautiful man. Right. She's like, kind of, she's kind of liking it a little bit. <laughs> right. But then I also think it's logical for her to be like, ooh, am I supposed to? Am I supposed to like this? Is this, a, this okay? Is this unhealthy? Is this and and we tried really hard to make sure that their relationship was as healthy as possible, given the fact yeah. that it's enemies and lovers. So yeah, that was that was the most fun. What was what was the most fun to read that doesn't give it away? So I can turn it around on you. All right. Um, I think I think some of when they're um, you know, just them getting to know each other. I I liked some of like the dialogue. I think especially when she's like. There's one thing where she asked him, like, what's your favorite food? And he's like, chocolate cake. Stop being weird. Like, it's just like little things like that where, um, cause it shows like a different side of Zayden. You get to know him more. He's a little like, like he, cause he comes off as like this hard, rugged, like no nonsense, like lethal dude. But 
he's also like a person like he's so layered there's so much more to him like yeah he's got his secrets and like once the reader kind of learns with violet like what his like you know once you start peeling back those layers and and get to know his reasons and um just getting to know a little bit more about him with her um it i i really enjoyed just some of like yeah like what like where she she got to a point where she she didn't mind like asking him those silly little things and he was just like why like i just love like, that that just like stop being weird like what <laughs> right. like, why would you want and i think zayden is so guarded because for obvious i'm not obvious the readers but as you read it you, you get to know why zayden's so guarded but he's when push comes to shove he's 22 when this book starts and 23 you know when it ends he's a 23 year old guy like and i know a lot in fantasy you know we've got like 500 year old men and like 300 year old men men who are a thousand and have fallen for the 19 year old girl <laughs> i'm not saying i'm against it I'm, I'm so, you know, I'm not definitely not against it, but this guy <laughs> is 22, 23. And so you do have those things where when she's like, you know, like, yeah, what is, what is, what is your favorite food or what is this? He's like, what is your deal? Yeah. Like why? And she's like, why wouldn't you want to tell me? But to him, he's so used to people either hating him for what he is or depending yeah. on him for what he is that he's not used to someone getting to know him for, to, to get him to just, just to get to yeah. know him. And I love I love his emotional maturity. Like you see it, especially like writing book two, writing book two is super fun. Cause you know, this guy's like, I don't know what I'm supposed to do with these feelings. So yeah, yeah I love that. <laughs> he's, he's super, he's super fun. And I'm, I'm glad you like this. I always, I always like to fight for the dialogue things. And she's like, well, we can cut. It's like, we cannot cut. Yeah. <laughs> and the book just gets longer and we look like, where can we cut? And I'm like, you may not take that scene. And she's like, we have to keep that scene. So yeah it's no i i i I appreciate like it was like i was saying earlier is um i was picking up this book and i always like you know look at the last like just the page number to see just to have an idea of like how how many days do i have to finish this book okay i have do i have to read 70 pages a day like so i could finish it in four days whatever Mm -hmm. like things like that and so it was funny because my husband he sees he'll get he'll see the arcs that i come in and so he saw it like on the counter he's like whoa what is this book this is a big book and I'm like, <laughs> like, yeah, it's like, uh, is this something I gotta read by, uh, April? Like, <laughs> it's just, and then, but I think he loves dragons. So I'm like, you could read that when I'm done if you want. You know, I'm like, you should, cause he, he did the, he introduced me to the, um, Aragon series and I borrowed, I, I read his books that he had already owned. Um, that's how I read them as after, cause he was obsessed and I didn't read them until after I'd already met him and was, uh, married to him. And so, um, it, yeah, when he saw, I was like, no, I was like, you, when I was finished, I was like, you got, you, you should read it. You'll love it. Like you, <laughs> so I, cause he, I think it's like, he, he's one of those people who's like, oh, you had me at dragons. Like he, he's one of those, like, like your, uh, your agent, your editor who you pitched to, like, yeah, dragons. Like, dragons. like dragons. Like, <laughs> I was like, really? Dragon? Okay. All right. Cool. Like, it was like the fourth pitch. Like, I was like, get this idea, this idea, and this idea, which is always funny because I'm like, how do you expect authors to have like five ideas? Just really. Right. But we do. We just like go to our plot book. We're like, oh, I remember that yeah. one time I was in the shower and had this idea. I th- I find that's really common for some authors who like, um, an example is Charlie Ann Holmberg, where I actually, she's got like such, she has so many books and like it, like she's just so prolific and it seems like a lot like she just has a lot of unique ideas and i think that's just like how your guys's brain works it's just like well no how about this or where can we go with this or like you know or you see just examples in everyday life where you're just like 
oh, like what if what if that uh what are that what is that married couple gonna you know you you walk by you see them in the window like what are they gonna go to next like what would this person you know like what's that life well, well that's a possibility like everywhere is a yeah. possibility so I totally that's not on uh, that's not strange to me just from after speaking to so many people uh with your in your profession we jump around I think yeah. like <laughs> it comes from most unlikely so, so I wrote an entire book because I got really pissed at Sanditon. Like the BBC show. I got so pissed at the ending of the first season of Sanditon that I wrote an entire book. Like legit. It's called The Things Will Leave Unfinished. Um, and I was lucky enough that it got picked up on TikTok as you're like went viral and sold out everywhere. And I was like, book is two years old. Cool. But right. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> but so I got so mad at Sanditon and fourth wing besides the dragons and the forest proximity, which is like where it's at. I was really inspired by like by current events and um, by what people are allowed to know. Does that make sense? Like, like who controls our our history books and who controls what's being taught to the next generation? And yes, yeah. And, and when is it okay to edit things out? And when is when is it not? And when is it? Especially because my degree is in history, so that's like I'm a I'm a, I'm a history I'm a history nerd, and that was just very very important to me like going through like not just you know because it could be just a dragon writing academy book and you have they're fun and they're super fun but the overarching meaning of of what do we actually allow people to know is what came from current events like you can be watching a documentary and you're like yeah this is great or this is you know so our brains are our brains are written i'm worst case scenario too because i'm like oh i wonder how that could go wrong yeah right (laughs) yeah because it's like yeah when you have like a war college going on it's like you know you there's you can't have war or military without like some political like layer in there because it's just so they're so entwined um and you know with the people calling the shots and the implications and like why is this the method that they're teaching these things? Like, why are, what are they teaching us? What are they not teaching us? What are they choosing? You know, things all, right. all of that. Like there's so many implications in that. So it totally makes sense that you added that extra layer and it just made it the book more sophisticated, even if it added like, you know, an extra hundred pages to oh, it. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. Like all the time. I'm like, well, I have to layer that in. And I'm really like, I, I put a lot of, um, like, you know, check off guns, right? Like put guns on the table and you got to pull the trigger for plot points. And my editor's like, you, like the first draft, she's like, you pulled every trigger. It's like, wait, but she's like, no, no, we get saved them for like books two and three. And I was like, oh, right. Oh, yeah, okay. right. Yeah. That's cool. That's fine. But whenever I edit, like I turned the book in at 154,000 words, um, which is, you know, I usually write like 130 in contemporary because I usually write really twisty, emotional, screw you up kind of books. And this one, as I go through edits, I just keep adding. Like, I don't think I'm taking out. I'm like, oh, I need an emotional beat here. Oh, this is where I layer in here. Oh, this is where this character needs to stand out. So we have this depth and this backstory. Oh, this is how. And so it just keeps growing. And the second book is longer. I'm not even done with it yet. But I told my editor, I was like, and she's like, like, how long? And I'm like, I don't know. I'm going to give it to you. And you're going to just decide what goes in it and what doesn't. Right, right. Kind of where we're at with it. I'm um, already gonna forgive you. It's okay. I just, I just want it. <laughs> I always, I always look at like other fancy authors and how it's like debut, second book, third book. I'm, yeah, like, right. okay, I'm, on, track. I'm on track. It's proportionate. You're like, like pushing the envelope a little with each release. You're like, how much can I get away with? Like, like I honestly, I honestly just write the story as I see it and what I think needs to be happening. And and to me, I don't write a scene that doesn't need to be there. Like if I put that scene in there. There's a reason. And it's not just because 
what are our characters doing right now? Let's talk about them going to breakfast or things like that. Like to me, each scene has to has to move yeah. either the relationship along, the plot along, or you know, whatever whatever we're doing. And I remember I wrote the last letter, which is like one of my first longer books, and I turned it in and both it's the same publisher. Um, I've been with him forever, was like, this book is this book is so long. And I'm like, it is what it is. And then my agent was like, it's so long. And I'm like, okay. They're like, well, it has to go on shelf space because you buy shelf space, right? I didn't know that. I didn't know that Okay, you purchase shelf space. And so the thickness of your book takes up a certain amount of shelf, uh, of space on that shelf. And then they both read it in a night and they were like, there's nothing you can cut. I'm like, I know that. You're right. <laughs> I, wasn't, I wasn't trying to just be like, here's a long book for the sake of long book. Like, no, it is purpose. Um, right. In the second book, I think, you have well, the first book has such a large cast, it really does. But when you think about going back into a second year, well, now you have the first yeah. years. Plus, so you need like, like more characters because you got to like up up the ante, right? You can't. You got to add add new levels of interest because otherwise, you know, not all readers want to. I mean, I would be fine if it was the same characters, but that's like the reason why. Like, you got to keep things interesting. You got to keep adding new new scenarios, new. Um, new elements to uh because it's like we're already past that now what's yeah. the next the next step up yeah and i struggled like i'm probably much like the tom holland of authors over here my publisher's like stop <laughs> it um i wrote the first like ninety five thousand words the second one um and i've never had a book you know go in hardback before let alone have so many people reading it and being like this is this and i'm like <laughs> um i'm just in my, my basement I'm reading you know like literally i'm in the basement i always tell my husband like there's a troll in the dungeon because it's like, where, where i'm at um but i came back into the second book and i immediately was like well we have to you know you have to up your stakes if you don't up your stakes like it's no fun reading but also you you can't really repeat parapet yeah it doesn't scare her she she's dancing across it yeah toward the end you you can't repeat threshing you can't repeat presentation you've already established that the second years aren't as scared. They're more yeah. settled in. They're more. So you get more like a, like a psychological aspect um, where it's like, how, how do you still have friends there knowing that they're going to go and, you know, knowing now what Violet does and what's going on, you know, with the school and how that takes more, more of the precedence because first year they thought I'll tell you most of the first years, that's where your that's where your highest risk of dying is. And so you have to look at it and be like, all right, well, how am I going to not kill these people, but also kill these people, but also right. it's been super fun to, to develop the world. I think is the best way to put it to kind of, Unless, yeah, like you have to push yourself to get a little more creative with it too. You have to be more creative and you have to think like what's creative and what's logic. Right. So like yeah. logically, unless you're going to, we're in first person. So unless you're going to hop into a first year's head and you're just going to repeat what you've already done, no one wants to do that you have other obstacles coming. So for knowing what she knows, and I can tell you this, it's not, I don't think it's for knowing what she knows, you have an obstacle of we're going to kill you for what you know. Yeah. And there's a line in the second book. That's like, you know, secrets, secrets aren't really good leverage because people who hold them die and lose their leverage. Mm -hmm. So you immediately have an upped Annie, but the world is just so much bigger in the second book that it's kind of hard to not be like, by the way, it's longer. (laughs) It just kind of is. So you're just like surprise. It's okay. Like <laughs> it is, and it's fun. And things like um, people who hate certain characters or will hate certain characters by the end. It's so funny to me because I already know where that character's going. Yeah, right. and I'm like, 
give him a second. Right. <laughs> I'm like, hey, like, just hold up. Let's give the man a second. Um, as I like to say, it's a boy. But it is super fun. I will say that it is super fun to go to work every single day getting to write dragons. And I still write contemporary. So I still, I write for Montlake as well. So I will always write contemporary because no matter what, I will always be in some situation where I get an idea. Do you mean? And suddenly that idea just goes and I know that I'm going to end up writing a book for it. But man, is it really, really nice to actually get to go write my first love? It is. It's super, it's super incredible. Like that's. Yeah. Dragons. Yeah. Who want to write dragons? Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. I, I, cause I'm just like, look at it. It's hanging out on my, on my desk here. And that's why I'm like, like, I hope my husband gets around to reading it. So then I'm like, like, okay, like we can talk about it. <laughs> I hope so. Um, I always wonder, because it's romanticy is what they call it. Like, that's the new okay, catchphrase, yeah. right? Romanticy, which is like romantic fantasy. And I always wonder, like, will it speak to, like, will it speak to guys? And my husband likes it, but my husband's like under a moral obligation to like it because he sleeps with me, right? Yeah. So like, <laughs> if you don't like it, it's not going to go so well for you tonight. But yeah, right. um, <laughs> I always wonder if it'll, if it'll cross that because it does have that romance so plot. It does. Yeah. It's got the spicy scenes. Um, so just a couple more questions before yeah. we wrap up here that our time flew by so quickly. All right. I'm going to talk. No, it's okay. I just, no, I, I, I love it. I feel like we could just go down like so many rabbit holes here. Um, so what advice would you give to Violet? What advice would you give to Zayden? At the, what stage in the book? Uh, the different people. And if also, if, if they're not different people by the end of the book, you didn't do your job. Yeah, right. Um, I would say, how about the end? Because, you know, maybe try your best to be spoiler free. Cause I know if they listen to you at the beginning of the book, there'd be no book. Right. So, right. Um, at the end of the book, I think my biggest advice for her going into book two would probably be hold on to, hu- to hold on to hu- your humanity as long as possible. And, um, into without giving away like what happens at the end of the book, like give the man a break. Um, <laughs> I would probably tell her there's a fine line between self-preservation and self-destruction when it comes to her relationship with Zayden and, and things that happen in the end that throw a giant you know, wrench into, yeah, into that yeah, relationship. Yeah. So yeah, I would say that Zayden, I would say therapy is an amazing thing, right? <laughs> like therapy, the, the man has some trauma. Like he just has some trauma and he doesn't know, he doesn't know how to let someone love him. And he doesn't know how to handle the, like the feeling of actually being loved. And so it's fun, like in the second book to watch him just make mistakes where you're like, dude, you wouldn't have, <laughs> you wouldn't have done this last year. And, and like, and I think there's times where she says that, like, you've never done this. And he's like, I didn't love you before. And I had problems for him. My best advice to him would be not, you can't save everyone. I mean, he knows, he knows, he knows that, um, just let Violet be Violet. It's probably probably what would get him out of so much of what is going on right now is let Violet be Violet and 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 maybe stop withholding information, whether it's like accidental or intentional, like just sit down and have a conversation. Yeah. Just, it's definitely so yeah. new territory for him, for sure. It is. And it's super fun to see. And I had like it's it's at least for me, it's super fun to watch because you know, no, I can't wait. Movie. Like I said, like I I loved watching him step out of his comfort zone a little bit and and being caught off guard i loved it I yeah he gets, <laughs> he gets dragged there let's put it that way like he gets dragged where he's like i know and it's fun to watch them make mistakes and i think she's kind of 
like Violet's kind of flawless in the first one. Not like perfect, but like her decision-making is always sound. She never makes the typical heroine mistakes that you see where you're like, no, dude. And in the second one, there's mistakes that are made, you know, because there just are. So it's really fun to watch them kind of find, find their way. So. Yeah, absolutely. But if okay. I could tell them that, we wouldn't have a book. Like, let's exactly. just be honest. Like, sit down and be like, if you guys would just have a conversation. You're right. <laughs> and I'd be like, tension is solved by chapter two. You could avoid all of this. Like, and now, right? And my editor would be like, why is this book about them going for ice cream? Right. <laughs> Not that ice cream. But do you know what I mean? Like, like why does anything happen? Oh, because we had a super healthy discussion. And, uh, right. Everything's out in the air and they're on the same page and we're ready to go. Right. <laughs> so, you know, and they're 23 or she's 20 or she's 21 in the next book and he's 23. So. Yeah. Right. Oh my gosh. I, I love it. I can't wait. So uh, Rebecca Yaros, where can uh, readers and listeners find you online and on social media? Dude, I'm everywhere because they make me um, <laughs> legit. Like I, I'm a huge, like actual introvert. So social media is as much as you're going to get me. Um, so I'm at RebeccaYaros.com, which is a really easy way to find links to my Facebook, my Instagram. Um, I have a reader group on Facebook called the Fly Girls, which is kind of poetic now because yeah. I wrote about helicopter pilots and now dragon riders. So still there you go. Um, I am on TikTok. <laughs> but I mostly use it for cat videos. <laughs> I'm really bad at like marketing myself, right? Um, if you can't tell, there's like some awkwardness there. So you can come find me on TikTok. Like, please do. I'm sure I'll post announcements, but uh, I'm not going to be your most entertaining person because I'm there yeah. for cat videos. That's okay. That's okay. If any, you know, the readers love cats. So <laughs> I didn't know it was like an algorithm thing. So my videos get pushed out to people who like cat videos in the am I the asshole questions, right? Because I love other people's drama. Sure. So, <laughs> like, if I throw a video out there, it's not getting to my intended audience. <laughs> but I still enjoy it. I love TikTok. I just lurk and I love to like listen to reviewers and what reviewers think. And I just kind of lurk and like tiptoe out. So yeah. Cool, but yeah I you're just it. like you're yeah i love that word lurking because you're kind of just like passing by like peeking and then like being on your way like just <laughs> i want to know so i want to listen to reviewers not about my books i've learned the lesson like if people start talking about me i'm like peace out like unless my husband has watched it and been like this one is safe no because i'll be on the floor like under my desk with a bottle of wine. <laughs> but um i love to hear what reviewers say about other works so that i can hear what are we looking for what are what are causing problems? What is working? What is not? What is how do I not stumble into, you know, traps yeah. or making sure that I'm yeah. So yeah. yeah no, find me all those all those fun places or the local hockey rink. <laughs> typically where you will find me. Yeah, perfect, perfect. Okay, Rebecca Yaros, uh fourth wing. It comes out on May 2nd. Thank you so much. This was, like I said, we could have like, just, I feel like we could talk for hours about all of this. It's such a, a joy to talk to you. And like I said, I'm, I can't wait for book two. I, I'm, I'm rooting for you, rooting for Violet, rooting for Zayden, all, all that good stuff. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me and chatting with me. There you go. That was Rebecca Yaros. Fourth Wing comes out on May 2nd. Check out the show notes to find links where you could pre-order the book and also to find um, her website and on social media. Rate, review, subscribe. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram, The Nerd Cantina and Cantina Book Club. 
read my book reviews on thenerdcantina.com. If you do pick up some of these books and you really enjoy them, please do give them a rating on Goodreads and on Amazon. It really does help them out. As always, thank you guys so much for listening.